Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. We've got time for a quick Ashes checkpoint. We're six weeks away from the scheduled start of the series, 8th of December. But we've got some unanswered questions that we're going to run through. Um, A little bit about the squads, the grounds, the banter, um, and Benjamin Stokes. All coming up on the Top Order Podcast. Stay tuned. Lippy, you want to set the scene, I think, um, with a little bit of an Australian and English view on this. So I'll hand um, over to you before we dip into some of the uh, the topics of the day. Yeah, look, I guess for me, the, the big question I have is around, um, I suppose, what the Ashes actually means to you guys. Because I, I know we've touched on it a little bit uh, in previous episodes. And I, I think for a neutral... I absolutely love watching the Ashes. I, you know, I was born in England. I, I always kind of, you know, living in New Zealand, you, you want Australia to lose every game. So I always have watched the Ashes and, and always wanted England to win. Uh, but I never really felt connected to it in, in the way that probably both of you do. And, and I suppose, you know, we've got a, a T20 World Cup on at the moment and listeners might be thinking, what are you guys doing talking about the Ashes when we've got a World Cup going on? So I suppose I just thought it was worth you guys touching on even, you know, is it more important to you as a fan that you win the Ashes instead of winning this T20 World Cup? Or, you know, has it lost any luster over the year with so much cricket that we see? You know, I think about the Bledisloe Cup, for example, is something that I used to love watching and it used to mean a lot to me. But now there's just so much rugby, there's so much super, super rugby that I don't really care for it anymore. So, you know, I'm just keen to hear what you think. Baldy, over to you. I think there's room for both T20 cricket and Ashes cricket in the same calendar. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm really jazzed about the World Cup myself. But the Ashes is still the pinnacle of Test cricket. And I really have a newfound appreciation for, in 2021, just how hard it is to actually schedule and get a Test series like on the field for, for four or five Test matches. So... If we can get four or five tests, and to me, the Ashes do need to be four or five test matches. It's not a two-test or three-test series. It is a four or five-test or even six-test series sometimes if we think back to the early to mid-90s. Look, I'm looking forward to this series perhaps more than any series I have since 2006-07. Why? Because there's been really even contests over the last little period of time. Last, Last series we played was drawn in England. Both sides have some uncertainty over their lineups and the build-up for me coming into this Ashes series is as good as it has been for the last 15 years. I'm looking forward to this series as much as I have for any series I think that I can remember since 06, 07 when we got it handed to us in England and we had to bounce back from that. I I definitely think that it can fit with the T20. I look at the Ashes in a slightly different way in that in the UK, when it's at home, I feel a massive sense of excitement, like Christmas morning. Um, I, I would always catch the train down to Lords on the first day of an Ashes Test match, uh, have bacon and eggs on the train and get to Lords nice and early, have a cup of coffee, drink in that sort of atmosphere and before hitting the pims at around about 11 o'clock um, in the morning, just as the first ball is bowled. The, the return series, though, And to pick up on Baldy's point, it has to be a five-test series. And in Australia, it has to be at Brisbane, Perth, Sydney, Melbourne and Adelaide. Not necessarily, obviously, in that order. In fact, the order is, um, you know, has been set almost in stone with Brisbane being that sort of opening fortress um, until the Indians breached it last year for, for such a long time. It's a bit more like 
the hurt and the build-up of being an England soccer fan, though, watching that overseas Ashes series, you you don't think you're ever going to win. It's the, it's the hope that kills you. Um, save 2011 uh, or 2010, uh, 2011, um, going back to the last time England won that and a long time before that um, since we won it. I think 84, 85, wasn't it, when... Uh, famously, British journalists had said England can't bat, bowl, or field, um, and then Chris Broad and Ian Botham and um, a host of others um, really uh, turned the tables on Australia. Going back, yeah, before before I was really walking around properly. Well, you've got a character in Broad that can do a lot of damage to the Australian batting lineup and the top order in particular. Um, this England squad, Adam, we've talked about it on a previous show, but just recapping: how comfortable are you with it, and what do you see? in terms of this Lions squad that's been announced now and the players that are in that, is that going to provide you enough backup and enough depth to get um, Australia in trouble in this Ashes series? What do you think? Well, we're going to do a preview, I think. So this isn't really the time to sort of go into the squad in, in too much detail. And we've talked about it already before. Whether or not we're going to be anywhere like a chance of winning the series, look, I've made my... Um, point pretty clear on that. I, I don't think we will with this attack. The Lions squad is pretty much as expected. The only real surprise for me that Liam Livingston doesn't get a look in. I, I think when you've got that ability to bring, I think, 14 additional players in that Lions squad across to Australia to provide a little bit of warm-up opposition and perhaps draft someone in. Why wouldn't you pick some guys that could bring real impact if you needed them to? Three or four test matches into that series, an explosive batsman like Liam Livingston or some genuine pace, um, you, you know, with the likes of Bryden Carson and Saqib Mahmood who are in that uh, squad. So I, th- I think that they um, certainly add a little bit of firepower. Um, but I think that, the, you know, we'll come on to it a little bit later. Um, but Stuart Broad has come out with some comments in the press, even over the course of the last couple of days, depending on what's going to happen across Australia and the different federal systems that might impact how England and Australia move around Australia during this Ashes series, which might become a mute point as vaccination rates um, get hit. But who knows? But Broad has um, predicted that he wouldn't be surprised to see some players uh, return home. And of course, some high profile England players returning or, or leaving Ashes tours in, in very recent history. Marcus Truscothic in uh, 2006-07, Jonathan Trott in 2013-14, um, and Graham Swan as well, pulling the pin after the Adelaide Test match in that uh, same series as well. Yeah, the venues are the really big unanswered question at the moment. And I think for listeners who aren't familiar with the Australian political system, and, and to be honest, why would you be? Australia has both a federal government and a series of big state governments that, um, and the state governments actually have control over their own borders. So some states in Australia, like Brisbane and particularly like WA, um, are effectively quarantining people at the state boundary. So you can't actually travel with freedom throughout Australia. Um, New Zealand listeners will be familiar with the kind of boundaries that we have around the Auckland region and Northland region and, and down into the Waikato now to try and control COVID. But, you know, the Australian um, state governments have boundaries and quarantine state to state which could dictate again as you say adam how teams move around australia are we going to see a a border restriction and quarantine restrictions in wa mean they miss out on a test match um earlier in this week tasmania was firming as potentially a test venue to replace um the perth test however they're now talking about having a lockdown queensland in the last 48 hours have announced that they're intending to have overseas travelers come into the country with very little to no quarantine sometime in the month of november so 
all of this stuff is changing rapidly. Sydney has announced a, an easing of restrictions plan and Melbourne is still the most locked down city in the world. So we've got this real kind of variability around venues. It's all very up in the air, but I think Cricket Australia will want that first test in Brisbane uh, because of the conditions and and the advantage that Australia have had up until recently against England in, in those con- conditions, Raj. So uh, there's a whole heap of variables in there, um, Baldy. We're going to need a, a whiteboard to figure out uh, what the best way is to actually have this tour. But at the moment, they're talking about doing the Gabba, Adelaide, MCG for Boxing Day, Sydney, and then Perth. So fairly standard-ish. What is the likelihood of that actually staying that way? Well, we don't really know. That's that's the tough thing because we've had so many different kind of flare-ups and outbreaks um, in Queensland, in New South Wales. It's, it's just gone, you know, massive. Uh, Victoria is still locked down. For me... Those New South Wales and Victoria, where there's still very high case numbers, are concerning in terms of the outbreak. The real concern for me in terms of all of those venues you've mentioned is the hard state boundary and quarantine with Western Australia. Western Australia have taken a very hard line stance around managing COVID, which I think is going to really impact whether or not they're even going to allow players to come in to that state. If they do allow players in, it may only be at the start of the tour to do a 14-day quarantine and then they play the first test and move on. But I don't think that's going to be particularly palatable for the England squad that are touring. I think they want to have a much more relaxed, uh, less stressful um, quarantine period. I think they've got um, a golf resort on the Gold Coast earmarked uh, for that quarantine period or, or around that Gold Coast hinterland area. Um, so I don't think that at the moment, unless something changes, we'll see a test match in Perth. That's my personal view. I don't have any mail on that. But just looking at the, the situation as it is, I, I don't see us playing a test in Perth, which I think, to me, advantages England a little bit because Australia had the attack to exploit that. Yeah, you, you took the uh, line of questioning out of my mouth there, um, Baldy. So I guess I'll come to Binksy on this. Stuart Broad's been in the media talking about the Gabba being a real equaliser there for the English, uh, with having a little bit of movement uh, for their seam bowlers. Which grounds do you think, or do you as an English fan, want to see drop off the schedule? And what grounds do you want to see maybe double ups at, double headers at? Yeah, look, I think I'll answer it in the second way and talk about the double ups. I'd like to see five day night tests with the pink ball at Adelaide with Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad running a mock and we can sack off the Gabba. We can definitely uh, sack off Perth. Um, and with England's spin stocks, I think we'll get rid of the SCG as well. And we've we've talked about those drop-in pitches at Melbourne um, a little bit better last year, but they've been like rolled snot in previous years. So I don't mind missing off that big concrete stadium, which just has a real lack of tradition for me. Um, but if that doesn't get a right... You're really consistent in your approach there, Binksy, haven't you? have been real consistent in that hatred of the MCG. What have you got against the G, mate? Well, Come on. Mate, I actually spent a very enjoyable uh, four days at the G in 98-99, um, when Steve Waugh decided to you know, bat for his average rather than his team, which saw uh, Dean Headley t- take six for uh, and get England across the line. So um, one of the only grounds I've seen an Ashes victory at um, in Australia. So yeah, look, I, I guess it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, my, my hatred um, of the G. But in all seriousness, uh, yeah, look, I think it would be Perth and it would be Brisbane if there were any to drop off um, the list for me. Um, and, and really like to see that Christmas New Year period across Melbourne and Sydney. That's, you know, the tradition, isn't it? I um, mean, the UK, it always used to be when I lived there, you would be Christmas uh, Christmas night, actually, tw- 25th of December. You'd be um, sitting on your couch with a belly full of um, 
uh, pigs in blankets, turkey and Christmas pudding, and you'd, you'd be trying to uh, stay awake until midnight when that test match started. Slightly different here. Um, it's Boxing Day and you're kind of getting up um, 11 in the morning and sticking it on the, the TV in sweltering heat, hopefully here um, in a non-lockdown Auckland if we, uh, if we get there. Um, I'm going to throw to you, Lippy, about the banter leading into the series. Um, what's the impartial view? I'm sure Baldy and I um, have got a take on that, but um, certainly a lot of press um, leading into you know six or seven weeks out from the season, or the series, I should say. Oh, I, lo- I love the banter. I mean, that that's just fan- it's fantastic for me. I think what was interesting about them in recent times is that um, the English side, um, I saw Jimmy Anderson coming out and saying, uh, you know, that he was surprised that it was happening, really, and, and sort of all the goading of the English players to come. And, and it's a fair point. You know, you've got guys uh, on the English side. We, we talked about it many times, and we even in our World Cup preview about how many, you know, how it, this is starting to take a toll on the English players and how much quarantining they've had to do and, and the toll that it's taking on their mental health. And then you've got the Aussies having a crack at them saying, look, we're, the, the Ashes are going to be on. They start on December 8th, you know, <laughs> whether Joe's here or not or, or whatever that line was, whether it was taken out of context or not. But, you know, as a neutral, it, it's great to see. But, you know, whether it, whether it has an impact on the players, you sort of think that generally it doesn't. But when, when people are snapping back at each other, there obviously is going to be a little bit of fire in this series. Yeah, I think if I was an English player, the one that would have got me was actually David Warner showing empathy towards the English players of the bubble. That would freak me out the most, I think. But uh, yeah, Tim Payne saying what he what he did in the media, it's all fun and games. And, and it's interesting. I feel like he, he hasn't really learnt from India last year where things went wrong with, with Ashwin towards the end of that series. But I actually think England need to come into this and actually fight fire with fire. The reason I say that is coming from, from New Zealand's perspective, when we went over there and we were the nice guys, we got absolutely ridden over off shot there. Uh, the only one that was really, really successful was um, Neil Wagner, and he, he came in and he really uh, blazed a trail with us in terms of him being very stoic and, and being that enforcer. So I really want to see that from England uh, going forward. I love the banter, to be honest. Over to you guys. Yeah, look, I don't mind the banter at all. I, I think... Um I do take offence at Tim Payne's comments. And look, I, I respect the fact that he's never got a franchise cricket um, gig. So obviously he's got to look after the bank balance and he's got a radio show before he's retired from test cricket to probably ease into that media career and, and boost the quaffers a little bit because he's not going to get a gig um, smashing it round on the world stage. Um, but look, in all seriousness, I thought his comments... Um, about Joe Root just needing to get on the plane and shut up and the ashes would go on uh, with or without him showed a real lack of empathy for a situation where it, even if he wants to kind of stir the hornet's nest a little bit, I think he should be sort of reflecting on the fact that Australia have been really good in terms of their response to coronavirus by and large. Uh, we've talked about the way that they've locked down to keep cases in a relatively manageable way. Their team haven't really stepped off their shores to play test cricket at all during this um, pandemic. Um, so for me, I think he probably should have just tempered those comments um, ever so slightly and shown a little bit of empathy for a fellow um, professional. And um, That said, I think England played it very, very well. Um, they didn't want to sort of say what their demands were to the Australian cricket board. Um, they didn't want to sort of exert their authority. 
I would imagine most of the players are pretty keen to get on the plane, but they didn't want to show that weakness of saying, look, come or hell, our high water will be on that plane. Um, they wanted to make sure that they were going to get that Victorian country club for the wives and girlfriends and children um, to have a little bit of a holiday before the season or the series started um, and to move around in relative comfort. So I think they've played it pretty well. Baldi, I'll just throw to you now. You know, you probably want a, a bit of a response to that, this little bit of Aussie bashing. But before I do that, I just want to say that as, as a neutral, I am quite enjoying Tim Payne. Um, I, I actually, you know, he's to me, he's starting to become a, a character and, and actually a bit of a likable character. Even though I did say that um, that Bull, uh, Binksy before about, you know, maybe he did overstep the line with, with that kind of stuff. But he actually seems like someone who has a bit of humour around him and he's actually come out a couple of times and kind of made a joke about uh, the stuff that he's said in the past that has come back to bite him, certainly in terms of the World Test Championship. He then came on the New Zealand radio and kind of made a joke of himself. So I do think uh, he, he is winning himself a few fans on that front. But Baldy, d- defend Australia. It's over to you now. Oh, if it's up to me to defend Australia, we're in pretty dire straits. Look, most Australians will have thick skin and, and the banter won't won't affect them too much. I think most of the Australian team will welcome a bit of banter. There's there's going to be some chat in this series, no doubt about it. I think the Australians will benefit from that banter a little bit more than the English because they've got characters like David Warner in their side who, who perform better when that banter's on. They may not look good doing it, but it does actually help him get into the contest. So I don't think Australia will shy away from that banter. I agree with you, Adam, in in insofar as Australia could show a little bit more empathy with the touring situation, given that they haven't played a lot of test cricket overseas and some of their big stars haven't been overseas in those COVID kind of bubbles as much. Some of them have, but some of them haven't. And you're right that Tim Payne hasn't been in too many overseas bubbles, particularly in franchise cricket. But look... All of that kind of stuff aside, I think this series is shaping up to be really, really good um, in terms of the banter. I just want to see it be positive and witty banter rather than just kind of mindless sledging because that's not really beneficial and it doesn't really paint cricket in a great light. But I think if the series is played in good spirit where there's a little bit of friction there, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, Baldy, we know pretty much who is on the plane coming over from England. Uh, fingers crossed. What does the Aussie squad uh, look like? What's the outlook for them? If you had to pick a 14-man squad today, who would definitely be in it? I think nine of the 11 spots in that Australian side pick themselves for the first test match, wherever it's going to be. Um, and there's two spots that I think are up for grabs at the moment. One is Will Pekovsky's opening spot that is now a big question mark, huge, massive question mark around who's going to open the batting with David Warner in the first test. Um, and there's so many different candidates that we can choose from. I'm not even going to go into all of them in detail, but I reckon there's probably six or seven candidates that the Australian selectors will be looking at um, in terms of their opening position. There'll be a marsh. There might even be two marshes that they're looking at. Usman Khawaja's name is going to come up. Um, if you're talking about bolters for the squad, you start looking at guys like Bryce Street from Queensland. Um, there are guys in Western Australia that are starting to put their hands up and making runs. And of course, the Victorian and New South Wales players haven't even played state cricket yet. So guys like Marcus Harris haven't even had a chance to get out and have a bat yet to be able to put their name up. The other spot on the side that's still massively up for grabs is that number five spot. Um, it was Matthew Wade's last year during the Test Series. He opened and then slotted down to number five. I think that Matthew Wade, over the course of the year, hasn't gone up in that um, 
in that in that reckoning. But yeah, that's going to be the real question for me. Who's batting at number one and who's batting at number five? Do we reckon that there's going to be any big surprises, Baldy, particularly coming off this T20 World Cup? Are there, are there going to be players, you know, there's been a lot of players actually stepping down from the international sides. Are there going to be any players mm-hmm. that say, look, you know, on the on the Aussie side that say, look, you know, I'm kind of need a bit of a rest now. I feel like they've had a lot of rest. But, you know, do we think anything is going to be surprising on that front? Um, I think we will, only because I'm so certain that there won't be. I'm so certain that there won't be any surprises and that no one will step down. I think it's almost certain that I'm wrong and that something like that will happen. But if you have a look at the bowling attack, Stark well-rested, Cummins well-rested, Hazelwood relatively well-rested, had a good IPL, will, I think will play well in the T20 World Cup, Nathan Lyon well-rested. Assuming those guys can get out of quarantine and get some match fitness, that bowling attack's going to be ready to go. The, the things that we want to keep an eye on are guys like um, James Pattinson for Victoria, Mark Steckety, Michael Neeser, who's going to be that backup bowling attack that's going to carry Australia through a big five-test series? And then who's who's going to work their way into that middle order? Is it going to be Travis Head? Is it going to be Mitchell Marsh? Are we going to have a bolter at the top of the order? I can't see anyone pulling out of that World Cup, uh, of that Ashes squad, um, particularly of the guys who have been to the T20 World Cup squad. So, look, let's watch this space over the next 35 to 40 days in the lead up to this Ashes side, um, this Ashes series, I should say. But there's there's big question marks over that over that middle order. I think there are 10 spots locked in. And there are four that are definitely up for grabs. And there could be any number of up to 12 cricketers, I think, vying for those four spots. Baldy, another great segue there. Watch this space. That probably comes to finish us off with watching this space in terms of Ben Stokes' Instagram. Uh, we see him the other day hitting balls. If uh, if this COVID situation kind of keeps to improving in terms of vaccination numbers and the restrictions dropping in Australia... Binksy, do do we hold out any hope for for the English fans that Ben Stokes could be out there and and on that tour at some point? Well, look, it's just got echoes of a number of Ashes series for me. Andrew Flintoff's fitness leading, I think, into that 2002-2003 season was in question. Um, uh, The same again with Ben Stokes, uh, although for different reasons. Um, Obviously, went... uh, um, into a little bit of trouble after a Bristol nightclub incident and uh, missed out on that Ashes tour in 2013-2014 and history repeating itself uh, seven years later. Um, I think the pragmatist in me says that uh, Ben Stokes has got to deal with Gunnar Moore and with Red Bull and um, you know his Instagram channel is a perfect place to just maintain a few little plugs for the brands that he supports and that we shouldn't read too much into that. Um, but there is a little bit of me hoping that uh, that finger starts to improve and we start to see him in full kit next week, smashing it on the bowling machine and then um, bringing in some net bowlers. Um, and then, of course, uh, Baldy's touched upon it with that state and federalised uh, government system. Um, we can see the headlines, can't we, um, leading into that um, vital um, New Year's test period with perhaps the Sydney Premier deciding not to grant uh, Ben Stokes travel into the city limits um, so he can't take place and and bring the ashes home at the SCG over New Year's. Well, I'll get you a tinfoil hat so you can hold all of those conspiracy theories in your head, Adam. It's going to be a cracking build-up to the ashes. There's no doubt about it. The banter, the mind games have started already, and that's just on this podcast. I think this is probably a good time to wrap it up before Adam and I go at each other's throats virtually over the Zoom call. Mate, it's been great bantering about the ashes with you. I'm really looking forward to this series more than I have for a long, long time. 
Thanks, Stewie and Raj, for bearing with us as we as we gear up for the Ashes 2021-22. Um, thanks for listening, everyone, on the Top Order podcast. We've had a ball talking about the Ashes, and there'll be plenty more to come, as well as many other episodes. But for now, good night, God bless, and we'll talk to you again soon.